from St. Luke's Gospel, and the shepherds went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Glad to see you here on this cold, frosty winter day. <laughs> I'm a Yankee. I'm still trying to get my mind around this, but because I'm glad to see you here today for one reason, simply this, that we are here to talk about the most earth-shattering, important event in all of human history, that the University of Central Florida beat UF last night, 29 to 17. <laughs> How'd that get in there? I've got a girl in each, I've got a kid in each school, so I was a tough one. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. What we're here to talk about today is, in fact, the most important thing that ever happened in all of human history, and it's quite frankly this, that the God that created the universe, Thomas Aquinas' famous expression, the uncaused cause, whatever you want to say, that this God became a human being, a person, and his name is Jesus. His name is? Okay, right, okay. So if that's the most important event in all of human history, and it has to be, right? If it's true, it has to be the most important thing of all time. The most important question you will ever ask yourself is this, do I believe it? And is he my savior? I'm going to tell you, I've, I have been ordained for 17 years. I have preached this story for 17 years, either in Luke's gospel or Matthew's gospel. It only appears in those two, the infancy narratives, this story here. Uh, I've preached about the baby Jesus away in a manger. I've preached about Mary, his mother. I've preached about Joseph, his father figure, right? I've preached about the shepherds. I've preached about the angels. I even preached a sermon back in Red Bank, New Jersey, about the, camel, the animals in the, the, uh, the, this, the um, farm there, in the uh, barn. And you know, I've got to tell you, I'm on, I've preached on every single character in the story, and friends, I'm here to confess to you this morning, I missed the most important one. I preached about all of them, except for the big one, and that is God. We get, I mean, if you're like me, and you are, right? We get so wrapped up in the details, away in a manger, and all these things, the crush scene, and little baby in the manger, and you know, hay, and all that stuff. We get so wrapped up in these details, and it's a good story, it's a true story, but we miss the big picture, the big picture, the biggest picture, that God is acting in the lives of ordinary people, and that he makes promises to them, and he keeps his promise. That God, the God of the universe, whom Jesus is God, right, incarnate, but the thing I want you to, we're going to dial in on tonight is this, that God makes promises to his people, and he actually gives evidence to show that his promises are true. I've never preached this before. I've, I discovered something in the text this week, which has been there the whole time. I never picked up on it until last week. So here we are going to do today. We're going to talk about two points. We're going to do a deep dive, not a long dive, but a deep dive, about God's promise his promise, and the evidence he gives to prove it. So buckle in. We're going deep. Two points. The promises of God and the evidence of God. You with me? The, pro the promises of God and the evidence of God. So the first thing is the promise of God. You know, you got to remember that 
imagine, just imagine, picture in your mind, again, I've preached this before, you've heard sermons like this before. Imagine that you are a shepherd out in the field outside of Bethlehem, right? You're out in the field while everybody else is inside, right? They're having dinner, you know, watching football, hanging out. It's cold, it's dark, you're smelling pretty ripe. You're a shepherd after all, but so is everybody else, so you're okay. And you're kind of used to the smell, frankly. You're a shepherd. You kind of get used to it, I suppose. But suddenly, this is the thing I want you to realize, because these are real people, right? These are not stories. They're real people, real events. Suddenly, imagine, here you are, minding your own business, and you see something. I mean, is it a spirit? Is it an apparition? Is it a ghost? What are these things that they see? And they appear to you, of all people, you know, Joe Nobody, a shepherd. And these angels say, don't be afraid. Now, why do they say don't be afraid? Because they're afraid. I would be, and so would you. Don't be afraid. We bring good news of great joy. And, he's, and then they say this. You've heard this a million times, but let's just dial in for a sec. And they say, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, two, just two words, a Savior who is free, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, none of you here are first century Jewish shepherds, right? Anybody? No, of course not. Anybody? <laughs> but if you were a first century Jew, you would know this is all loaded language because when the angels say Christ, The word Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's a title. It's the word Christos. It means king. And what they say to these shepherds is, this new baby is born. He is a king, and he's a savior. That is the promise of God, that Jesus would be this new king who would save them from their sins. Now, let's look at that for just a second. What exactly is a king? You know, as Americans, it sounds like, who cares? King Schming, right? We fought a war against these people, didn't we? 200 years ago, we don't have any kings here. But, you know, biblically speaking, uh, the king was actually the person that you leaned on. Biblically speaking, the king was a good guy. He was your advocate. He was your identity. He was the person you looked to for the answers. He was the guy that when everything fell apart, you leaned on and said, dude, it's up to you. Fix it. Here's the thing I want you to understand. As a Jew, because we don't think this way, as a Jewish person, when the king arrived, listen, you knew everything was going to be okay. Let me just stop there and make an obvious point. Because everyone, every, every person in this room needs someone like that in their lives. An encourager, a strengthener, a person who, has, who is, you can lean on when things fall apart. My dad was a person like that for me. My dad was uh, a great encourager of me. He wasn't perfect, but he was a good dad. He was the master of the one-liner. And uh, many of them I could not repeat from the pulpit without being fired, but I will give you one. He used to say, son, that guy has a lot to say about a lot of things, which meant don't pay attention to him. But my dad was an encourager for me, you see. And I knew as a little kid in particular when, I, when my dad got home from work, right, when my dad arrived, everything was going to be all right. And that's the idea here with this idea, the Jewish mind of a king. When the king arrived, everything was going to be okay. And I'll prove it to you. If you fast forward this same Jesus, because the kid did grow up, right? 
The same Jesus grew up 30 years later. He arrives to the other city of David, Jerusalem, where the, king, where the, uh, temp, the uh, king's palace is. Jesus arrives, we call this Palm Sunday. If you go to church, you know the story. He arrives into Jerusalem, and they, they greet him on the sides of the road, and they shout out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. You know what that means? It means, save us. Save us. Here's the thing, right? This king, these shepherds are being told the person who will save you has just been born. That this king has been born. Now let me ask you a question. Put yourself in their situation. If you see all this going on and they said this angel has been, this king has been born and you're a shepherd in the middle of nowhere doing nothing important and you saw this, would you believe it? Nope. More about that in a minute. But I want you to see something here because we lose, the sentiment gets in the way. These are real people. And the thing I wanted before we move on, just to make a point here, is that God, you know, if you look at the God of the Bible, he usually reveals him to people that really aren't that important culturally. The shepherds, the outcasts, people that are on the fringes, right? Those who are in the fields while everybody else is home, home you know, binging on Netflix, whatever. But the promise of God here, this is the first point, is that God sent his son, Jesus, to save you, to save them, to save me, God knows. So here's the question for tonight. This is the biggest question, ready? This is the biggest question you will ever answer in your life. Is Jesus your king? In other words, and if that sounds silly, think about, is Jesus the most important person in your life? Do you, does your life fall under his authority? Do you lean on him? Because guess what, friends? If Jesus isn't your king, then something else is. If Jesus isn't your king, then someone else is, and it's probably you. We all want to be the master of our own lives. We all want to call our own shots. But here's the thing which I realized when I was a younger man, even though I'm a pretty type A, self-motivated kind of guy, I do a lot of stuff, right? But here's the problem. For me and for you, you're not God, and neither am I, thankfully. And like me, you have shortcomings and failures. Like me, you have parts in your life that need fixing. Mike, like me, you have parts in your life that you can't fix. Here's the thing. You could say you're your own king, but you're pretty bad at the job, and so am I. <laughs> only Jesus changes lives for good, and only he can save you because he is God, and you're not, and neither am I. So here's a question for you tonight. This is a biggie. This is a biggie. Is he your king? Is he the most important thing in your life? Because the, the promise that God makes is that he will give to us a king. And you think, okay, fine, that's great. What's the second point, Rodriguez? Well, the second point is the evidence of God. Look, the angels come back to the scene. The angels make the claim that this king has been born in the city outside of Bethlehem. And maybe even more surprisingly, these shepherds are the ones who will be his first witnesses. Right? Nobody cares what a shepherd thinks. Nobody, you know, some shepherd comes up with a story about angels in a field. Yeah, right. Spare me, pal. Right? Get back to tending the sheep. But if you're that guy in the field, would you believe it? Would you believe it? And the answer is no. 
You know, maybe these angels were like, I don't know, you saw it, maybe it's some kind of like natural phenomenon, right? Maybe it's the aurora borealis, of course you can't see that in Judea, but maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's uh, too much eggnog that night with the guys, right? Maybe in your mind, the whole thing is just some great big hallucination. Maybe in your mind, you just had two bad chicken salad sandwich at lunch. I don't know what it is, but my point is, every one of us wants to default to a natural explanation when you think of what has just occurred in your life can't possibly be true. But here's where it gets interesting. God doesn't give us that wiggle room because he actually gives them evidence. I'll show you. It's right there. I'd never noticed this before. Here it is. The God of the Bible is a God of proof. And here it is. The angels lay their cards out. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a King. And then the evidence and this will be a sign for you, shepherds. That word sign is the word semeion. It's a Greek word. It means a, a, something which points you to something else. You will find a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, you know, when I was a kid, my mom used to say that I lived in a barn because <laughs> my room was always a mess. But kids don't get born in mangers. A manger is a food trough, right? Like this right here. And so what the angel says, look, here's the evidence. You're going to go down to Bethlehem, and you're going to find a kid in a barn sleeping in a manger. And the point, of course, that the, the angels make the promise, and they provide the evidence. They say, frankly, don't take our word for it. Go check it out yourself. And they go there, and they find this baby wrapped. If you notice, if you go back again, it says that the shepherds see this. The angels disappear, and it says they went with haste. I'd never noticed that before. And I've studied this five, not 500 times, but many times. The angels go with haste. They rush down. Just like last week I preached about Mary, when the angels say, you're going to have this kid, Mary. And he says, but your cousin Elizabeth is pregnant six months. Mary goes with haste. Same Greek word. Spaido. They go. They rush. Why do they rush? Because they want to see if it's true. Who could believe it? Maybe it's a little bit of doubt in their mind. Maybe a lot of doubt in their mind. But here's the thing. What if that promise really is true? That changes everything. And then they see. Here's the thing I want you to point out that just jumped off to me this past week. Then they see the evidence. There he is, a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a food trough. Just like the angels said he would be there. The evidence is in and the promise is is true. This is what I want you to see tonight at Christmas. I don't want to talk about a way in a manger and sentiment. Sentiment is the smother of true religion. Real religion is about facts and evidence and a God that makes promises and proves it. That he says what he means and he means what he says. God is the consummate straight shooter. And if he tells you something, he's going to give you proof in your life to show it. He's a God of evidence. He's a God that lays out his cards on the table but it's up to us, to you, to go with haste and find out what this evidence might lead you. You know, there is no such thing as blind faith. The only people, the only people that talk about blind faith are people that don't have any faith. Blind, faith is not blind. Faith, on the contrary, is full of evidence and full of facts and full of recognizing there is a God who makes promises and gives us evidence. Look, Here's the thing, right? 2021 has been 
a pretty crazy year, right? Is that, can I get an amen on that? 2021, see you later, 21, has been a crazy year. I mean, coronavirus, political craziness, lockdowns, being, you know, housing being out of reach. Keith Richards is still alive, for crying out loud. But in all seriousness, you know, in all seriousness, each of us this year struggled in some way. I, God knows, and many of you know, I did. And so did you in some way. But the thing I want you to see tonight, friends, and why this story from tonight, this scripture is so, so important, is that God's promises to you are as clear as they were to the shepherds on the, in the field that night. Here's just a couple I'll leave with you. And there's, there's lots of them. If you come to church, you'll learn more. Deuteronomy, the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Deuteronomy 3.31.6. All things work to good for those who trust the Lord. Romans 8.28. Here's another promise. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. These are all promises that God gives us. And he shows the evidence if you follow it with haste to see that his promises are true. Because here's the thing, friends. That baby in a manger, the kid, like they all do, he grew up. And he went to the cross for you and for me to save us from our sins. And Scripture promises to give us life, zoe, and life to the full. On this Christmas Eve, friends, we thank God for the promise and the gift of his son. We thank Jesus Christ for the promise he gives to us even now. And I'm going to challenge you to stand in awe of the evidence that he places in your life every day. Every day. And he challenges you to follow that evidence and see where it leads. That he is in fact the king of kings and lord of lords. And he's a God who gives evidence to you and to me and our lives to prove that his promises are true. So friends, I want to wish you this, this evening a Merry Christmas. And I want you to remember the promises that God makes to you and has made to you and is making to you even tonight. And I want you to open your hearts to the evidence and I want you to follow them with haste because the question is too big the question is too big to leave it unexamined. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for the promises you make and the evidence you give to show that they are true. We give thanks to you on this day for Jesus who came to earth as our King, our Savior, to do exactly as you had promised, to save us from our sins. Help us to follow him where he leads us. Give us courage to follow your promises with haste and to embrace the promises in our lives that you give to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.